0: The question you asked me was where we're going to go in 10 years, 15, 20 years. It's a fantastic opportunity. We're going to have at least 30% increase our, our pig numbers. We already have increased our pig, pig output by 20% using these hyper prolific We do single serving, we increase our FCR 0.1, 0.15, 0.2, start competing against chickens. I think we need to revisit feed. We need to think about how do we convert not the best corn on the planet, the worst corn on the planet.
1: Swine it. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo, provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Swine management to the next level, cloudfarms.com. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production.
2: everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. John Carr, who's with Carr Consulting and APM Animal Health. How are you doing today, Dr. Carr?
0: No, no, very well indeed. Very well.
2: Good. Well, we're glad to have you on the podcast today. I know we were visiting here a little bit ahead of time and reflecting on some fun stories and Um, Before we really jump into our conversation today, uh, there's probably some people in our audience who aren't familiar with you, and maybe have you give just a little bit of background about yourself and and how you got to where you're at today.
0: Okay, well, I'm a veterinarian, um, and uh, I love pigs. Uh, I have no issue uh, with saying that. Um, I started working with pigs when I was 11, um, and almost, I would argue, almost everything I've learned... um, I probably learned before i was 18 Um, i can't necessarily say that uh, vet school taught me an awful lot about pigs um they taught me an awful lot about animals but um that even in the 70s and 80s the pigs were still uh, had already started to be a bit of a background species and and that has been a bit of a a challenge through my professional life but um no, so I started working with pigs when I was about 11. I used to go along and collect the eggs at the local farm and um, tail dock and teeth clip the piglets and move the piglets around. And By the time you get to about 14, you're now given the farm at the weekend to feed the pigs and and look after them. Um, but that's where my love of pigs came from. And in some respects, it actually reflects my professional life. I'm not the son of a pig farmer. Um, so. I grew up working as a stockman, uh, stock person, um, but it actually makes a change because when I, when I work with um, my clients and, and farms, I'm always conscious of, of the people working on the farm. And so one of the things I try to do very much is reduce the amount of work they've got to do. Um, sometimes it's very easy being a veterinarian to say, oh, we'll vaccinate against coronavirus and then walk away. And you've just given some guy uh, five thousand injections to do four times a year um, to adult sows who don't necessarily appreciate it. Um, and I and I was that guy you gave that to. So I, I'm tend to be a little bit like, do I really, really, really have to do this? Is there an alternative way um, before I manage to get my hand bitten off by one of these? beautiful animals, but they do have large mouths and big teeth.
1: This episode's sponsored highlight is about Adiseo, a worldwide leader in animal nutrition. Our company offers specialized technical support for nutritionists, veterinarians, and other animal production professionals. Our portfolio of programs and services include a wide array of high-performing feed solutions, such as essential nutrients, palatability, feed preservation, mycotoxin management, and health by nutrition. To learn more about our company, visit us at www.adiseo.com.
2: Absolutely. Well, and I, I think you bring up a very relevant point. You Certainly, labor has been in the forefront of everybody's mind, not just in agriculture, but more recently, of course, around the world and in just any market that we're looking at, really. And I think that's really important what you say. I always went through that same philosophy. If I'm going to ask my employees to do it, I need to be able to get in there and do it with them to make sure that I'm not asking more of them. But, you know, I think that's the real concern that we see today is this, what's the future of, of ag in particular, what's the future of swine production and, and how do we manage through the labor shortage and and so let's just start there. You know, where do you see the the future of swine production ten or even twenty years out from now?
0: Well, you can go back a bit into into my own history, and a very influential veterinarian, Al Lehman, um, and I was a snotty-nosed little sixteen-year-old, and uh, Al Lehman is like a god in the pig industry, but I didn't know, and uh, he and my other godfather as such is a guy called mike muirhead and these two um professional veterinarians one is american the other guy is um um, english and um they took me under their wing and so i'm this little 16 year old who's just seeing practice and i do remember al lehman said something uh, and i can't remember exactly what it was and i just said you're wrong and the look on his face he said and you are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and Mike was like, oh, he's this student who seems to like pigs. <laughs> um, but ever since then, uh, we got on extremely well. Um, now, Al, so this is maybe 30 years ago, sadly. Um, and so Al said to me a long time ago, because I was fascinated with people and, peop- and stockmanship and everything else. And he said, you know, you will come to a time, John, when you cannot afford people. And, and so we're looking at the 80s. And I'm like, you know, no, no, no. I'm designing all these systems, you know, to make people react to pigs and and, and everything else and good behavior responses, and, and because I I still think that's all very important. And then sadly, as I've gone, as I've grown up, um, I understand what Al is now saying to me. This is some thirty years ago that um, I'm going to just run out of people. And so I'm actually in Asia at the moment, and w- one of the. The, what the Asians do is they don't really see Saturday and Sunday, um, but they're beginning to. So uh, last week I spent the, my week in Korea and the Korean and I said the Koreans years ago that they're going to have to think about their system so that Saturdays and Sundays become important. So just very very basic stuff like Saturdays and Sundays, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons I'm a pig veterinarian is that is that fundamentally I I, I I used to be do cows and I, and I just don't like the morning. And three or four o'clock in the morning, having to get up and carve a cow is fantastic, but it can get very tiring. Um, pigs do nine to five, Friday Monday to Friday, and we need to we need to consider the pig and we need to consider the staff uh, inside the buildings. And I actually amuse myself a little bit because I, I reckon that at about five o'clock. The pigs are all sitting there waiting and then the staff leave and they and they go oh doris at last those two-legged ones have gone <laughs> what are we going to do what do we want to watch tonight <laughs> what, what are we going to eat what's how's your kids doing you know, and and I, th- I think sometimes the the pigs have a big sigh of relief like oh, they've gone at last they've gone they're going to stop doing their injections and all their fapping around um and there is a little bit of a problem here because I'm I'm also convinced that pigs actually do more work at night, um, where as human beings we tend to work during the day. But most mammals actually are twilight animals. Um, so, for instance, outdoors mating is finished at five o'clock in the morning, and and yet you know two o'clock in the afternoon, you want to get a sow pregnant. I mean, and the boar's like, "What now? You must be joking! Don't even realize it's hot." You know come back at three in the morning, and so sometimes when we, when you consider farming um, we we're forcing these animals to farm according to our schedule, um, and where really we need to be farming to theirs but kind of going back to, to where you were thinking of in terms of people, um, we need to design our farms so it's not labor intensive I see no reason why nowadays I see no reason why I have to be Lugging food on my shoulder um, to to sows, um, including lactating sows. Now they have to be fed individually, but that doesn't mean I can't control the machine. But human beings are not really designed to be lugging tons of food around. What I want is professionals working on my farms. I don't need laborers. Um, a pig farm is a very expensive piece of equipment. I mean, millions of dollars, and. You know, I need somebody who's trained to be able to do it. Um, now, in the States, we're, you know, we're looking at one stock person um, for, say, 300 sales. Um, if you go to parts of Asia, we're still down at 25, one, one person for 25. So, I mean, I joke with my clients because I was on a 3000 South farm in Korea and um, 50 people. And uh, and they sort of said to me, "How many people would you have, John?" And I said, uh, 7 uh, I'll give you ten. And you look at everybody, and I've said, "You said, you know, guys, you've got African swine fever, and every person is a potential risk. And if I can, if I remove three thirty people from the farm, um, then I've reduced the risk of African swine fever. And but they they they're still struggling with this." Concept that but that same farm five years ago had about 70 people on it. So they've already halved. Um and they're going to have to half fan more again uh in, in the next five to ten years. Um and in many respects they already have all the infrastructure there. They have the automatic feedings, they have the what well, particularly automatic firing feedings, they have the because the Koreans are fantastic with um, electronics. So they're monitoring everything. You know. They've got cameras watching how the pigs are eating and, and the machines are weighing the food. And, and I'm like, well, what are people doing? Um, so what I need, and I think from the pig welfare point of view, pet well-being point of view, we need highly qualified professional staff. Um, and I said to the boss, I said, you know, it's very harsh. We half the number of staff and you double the, the wages of everybody on the farm. So the company doesn't lose out, but you make it so that the the, the staff who remain are well paid uh, well motivated will go on courses will will work and it is sad I mean they will work after five um, but that when they, when I mean work that because they'll read journals they'll be they may be at home with the, playing with the kids, but that doesn't mean that they're not watching a podcast um they're not they're not listening to swine it they're not you know reading the latest magazine um while they're watching the feet up with their feet up watch playing with the kids i I still class that as family life um, but um but I also class it as work i mean you know there's there's time you you physically work and then there's time when you have to mentally work as well. Um, I love the pigs behind you actually i've just noticed them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, you have your own little pig farm in the background.
2: Yes, we have quite a collection of pigs in of course, our house, like most no veterinarians and yeah. and people involved in swine, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we're going to enhance animal welfare uh, and animal production, then we need to really only employ people who truly love working with them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and you and I doing something at nine o'clock at night, um, reading a journal, is is that work? Or is it enjoyment? I don't know. I mean, I'm very lucky because my students sort of say, you know, how do you, what do, you, how do, you do this? And, I mean, I have a hobby and I get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And I've never mm-hmm. quite understood why I get paid, but um, it's fantastic. I have this hobby, which I've done since I was 11, and um, I actually make a living out of doing it. So uh, I've, hardly, I've, I've almost never worked a day in my life, you know. It's... Uh, <laughs> That's great. Well, the first thing is actually, I don't necessarily need the guys to work. So one of the things that I do simply, I mean, there's a traditional farm that grandfather worked on, um, 250 sows, big farm. So for instance, we wean on a Thursday. We wean on a Thursday because they breed on Tuesday. Well, granddad bred on Tuesday because he was doing natural mating. Each sour would take 15 minutes. Um, and I can remember as a boy, uh, so a 14, fifteen year old. My job was to look after the boars and um, and assist the mating. And actually, the the boss was very interesting. When we had a new boar come on to the farm, the staff used to have to line up on the roadway, and we'd have to bow to him. Oh. <laughs> and and so and this boar would then walk up the path, and uh, and and Mister Peckson was very clear. He is the boss he is the emperor on this farm and you lads will treat him with absolute respect and literally that's what he did the ball would unload and then hit the ball would walk onto the farm and that staff would have to i always yeah. think it's very weird but um when i look back i'm like hey, mr peckerson recognizes that he is he is what matters he is the future genetics now it comes in a bottle but but that's fundamentally so on a th- on a Tuesday, we would breed fifteen minutes of sow. Cell- well, two hundred fifty cell unit—that's twelve. A two and a half thousand cell unit—that's one hundred and twenty. That's a lot of minutes in a day. So now we've gone to AI. Well, actually, I can now breed at a hundred an hour to people. So that's an hour's work, which would have taken me all day. But I still wean on a Thursday because of Tuesday it has to be a primary day. Well, actually, if you then. Think about what Granddad did and then rethink it. What matters today is food conversion. We've got to compete against poultry. So what matters today really is the wiener. We've got to get the wiener off to a great start. We've got to get that um, food into the pigs. We've got to get the pigs going. When you wean on a Thursday, you wean on a Friday. You, you're weaning on Thursday. but So then on Friday, the piglets are put into the nursery. But everybody wants to go home. You've got Saturday and Sunday, nobody looks after them. You go to work on Monday, and you have post-weaning diarrhea because nobody's fed the pigs. The pigs probably haven't eaten. They probably haven't eaten well. Then they gorge themselves. Now you've got problems. So if you wean on a Monday, you've got all week to look after these baby pigs. And with these hyper prolific sows, um, we've got more pigs as well. If you wean on a Monday, you farrow on a Tuesday. Well, actually with when you got litters of fifteen to seventeen and granddad only had litters of ten and eleven, so we've got half as many pigs again, with half as few staff. But if you wean on a Monday we and, and you farrow on a Tuesday, you've got all week to look after these these girls and their children. The downside, of course, is breeding. We're now breeding on Friday and Saturday, so it's the weekend. But if I can breed at a hundred an hour, my breeding takes me one hour so there is one there is one fairly simple t- philosophical change where you can um make a big change to the pigs make a big change to the staff because you you are just changing the weaning day and forgetting what granddad did but looking at the new reality another area that, that, that I think the industry needs to focus on i breed my sows once so on the on the Friday and the Saturday, my sows get mated once, and the industry. I remember we, we moved the industry from three services to two services, and they were hesitant to do that. But now everybody accepts two services, and there's no point in three. So my next leap is single serving uh, with wean sows, and people go, "You crazy!" I mean, but again. It's time. It's labor. I've got to be doing this. Now, I'm single-serving for once for carbon. What? Okay, I see the time-saving. I can see you maybe saving some plastic in the in the catheter and everything else. But if I use the very, very, very best bores, I can reduce the FCR by 0.1. What 0.1 means is that for a 100-kilo pig, and in the States we're looking at 125, but we'll take 100 kilos because I can do the math. 100-kilo pig, FCR of 2.7, you move it down to 2.6, that saves 10 kilos per head. So I, I, we did this calculation actually for Korea uh, last week. So for every pig, I'm saving 10 kilos of food uh, to produce that pig. And so for if I have 100 pigs, I save a tonne. If I have uh, what is it 2,000 um, 2, pigs, and so that's only that's only two hundred pigs a week. So I have two thousand pigs. That's actually saving a truck. If if a truck takes twenty tons, I'm saving a truck. And we reckoned we did the calculation for Korea, and I could save something like sixty thousand trucks a year for the Korean industry by just going to single serving. Um. And in, and I think the industry has to ask itself a question. I can save sixty thousand truck drives, petrol, diesel, plus the fact that I'm I, I can save all this extra food that I have to feed these animals by just adopting this simple um, one mating program in my weaned sows. And and the industry and and to be honest, I'm like, well, what if it? What if the firing rate does fall? What if the litter size does fall? Does it really matter? I mean, economically, does it really matter? You know, and the sad thing about it, the litter size actually goes up and the firing rate doesn't change. I suspect the litter size goes up because you're actually putting less contamination into the uh, uterus. So you're using less and less semen, and therefore she has to clean herself out less. There's less immunological response, you know. So that there maybe is some science actually behind. Um, why this could be so. But I have a number of farms in Canada now where they'll make 1.2 serves per sow on average. So we mate our guilds twice, we mate our late twice, we mate our returns twice, but this, we single serve the sows. Um, and on a, what is it, five or 600 sow farm in, in Canada, they saved $58,000 worth of food last year with no impact on output. Uh, and time, because you're only mating the animals once, um, and so you know you look, you go forward and say, right, well, where 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 would we go in five or six years, ten years? I think I think time, we've got to look at time, and I think we need to think about um, our number one competitors. Well, really, fish, but our number one competitors are poultry. Um, fish are fish are very interesting for both. Um, the chicken and the, and the pig industry. But really our number one competitor is, is poultry. She does a much, I have to admit this quietly, she does a much better job at carbon. Uh, she understands uh, nutrition much better than us. Um, she has much tighter genetics than we have. Um, she understands how to feed a, feed that chicken on every single day of its life. We are crude cavemen compared to the poultry industry. Um, and forget cows because they're in they're not even d- developed mammals um but joking aside you know i look at the poultry industry and i think you know that's where we're going to be in 10 years um and and i just think that things like single serving is one idea where we can um we can change and try to compete a little bit against poultry i mean the hyper prolific which the the Danes have given us is the biggest revolution in my in my entire life I mean weaning weaning ten was always a struggle, and then suddenly I'm expected to wean twelve and my Canadian guys are weaning thirteen plus plus and you know not really breaking sweat i mean you know the sows are just amazing I mean we have a such a beautiful athlete um that we, that and she just she just gets on with it and shes she's just totally fantastic really. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I think, um, adopting some of the more poultry concepts, but we have to become, we have to become real. We're, our job is to feed half the planet every day. Chickens feed, um, and fish feed the other half. Um, but I've got to do it in a way that the planet isn't suffering. Um, and so I think we do have to take. I'm not sure about the word sustainability, because it's just too too politically correct. But I do do believe we need to be looking at um, food uh, and transport and carbon.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting concept, because it's certainly not one I've heard, um, or at least put in that concept of breeding and limiting breeding and maximizing genetics, right? We knew... We knew with the evolution of PCAI that that allowed us to shift the genetic population, improve feed conversion. But I think that's kind of that next step, right? What do we do after we've, yeah, what's that next step with the technology? So I think that's really interesting. I'm going to tie in here real quick. Just, you mentioned it earlier, FAD. So let's talk about foreign animal disease and medicine. And how does that integrate into this futuristic sow farm, swine farm system? Because uh, you know I, that's certainly on everybody's mind today.
0: I mean, African swine fever is totally horrible, um, and and for two reasons. One is that it's 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 totally horrible for for, for small farmers. Um, the the trouble with Africa or the 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 trouble it's, it's a mixed it's a it's a mixed message really. There is no reason for commercial pig farmers to be concerned about African swine fever. It's a very blunt statement. African swine fever moves three meters. So what, you're telling me that you can't defend your farm for three meters? Because that's all you have to do. You just have to make sure that your pigs do not meet any other pig, and that could be pig feces or whatever, for three meters. And you're fine. So, I mean, I farm farms in the Ukraine, uh, have done for 15 years before African swine fever came and, and since. We have no problem with African swine fever. We've had African swine fever 50 meters from our farms. Um, no impact. Um, it's all about biosecurity and perimeter fence, And it's about perimeter fence. The United States, sadly, um, talks a big story about biosecurity and then acts a very poor story. Um, the... When I bought a house in Iowa, uh, I was walking the the edge of the farm, the edge of my property as such, and my neighbour Jim came over with a a beer. And uh, he said, uh, you must be the Brit who's lived who bought the house next door. And I'm like, yeah. He said, I thought you would be. He said, then you are doing what? He says, I I take it you're finding out the edge of your property. Because the... An Englishman's home is his, his king, his castle is his home, you see. So you, you've got to know where the edge of the castle is. And I'm like, yeah. And um, he says, We don't have fences here, you know. I said, I had noticed. And he says, Well, I like, enjoy, I, I enjoy hunting deer. And unfortunately, the deer cross your land first. So I'm going to ask you not to put a fence up. And here is a beer. And I'm like, Can I do bow hunting? And I said, Well, if I can bow hunt on your land while well, chasing the deer that's crossing my land. And he looked at me and he said, okay, we'll have a beer together. And then from then on, we are great mates because it was, uh, but he was con- clearly concerned that as an Englishman, I was going to build a fence um, and that could interfere with his, his hunting. But the Americans are not good at building fences. They're mil- mil- Americans. You cut the neighbor's lawn. I mean, you just keep you just keep going and cut the lawn, and then you know, you don't worry too much about where. But the English, you see, there'll be like a blade of grass. You know, would be at the edge of the lawn. Unfortunately, the Americans need to learn a bit of a British attitude. I'm afraid in African swine fever, we need perimeter fences around our farms, and that doesn't mean we turn our farms into a prison because. Unfortunately, people from outside think, oh, they put a fence up. There must be something to hide. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to hide the pigs from the other pigs. We have wall-to-wall pigs in America. I mean, America, Canada. Um, And perimeter fencing is unfortunately going to have to become a a priority. So for commercial farms, I see no reason why we should be having a problem with African swine fever. Um, As long as you keep the pigs off the farm. For smaller farms, and like the British industry, fifty percent of it's outdoors. I just physically cannot see at the moment. I can't imagine how I can possibly stop wild pigs from going to see, um, see the pigs, and, I mean, you've got to depends on how crude it almost gets. I mean, you've got um, male wild boars and you've got 2,000 sows and the male wild boars know where all of the girls live you know you've got like a girl dermatometry and you're a teenager well you you know you're not necessarily that interested in the sports club I mean but you do know where all the girls live Um, and it's a little crude but our pigs, our pigs will come to the farm for two reasons. One is sex, and the other one is food. And if we leave food around, which is not uncommon underneath feed bins, they're going to come. And you've got to imagine that you, a 2,000-sour unit is quite attractive to a, an adult male boar. Um, um, he, he, if, not, if not attractive, he knows where it is. Um, so in some respects, we have to also think pig. Now, in Asia... But it's devastating for small farms i mean china has thousands of pig breeds fantastic pig breeds but they all live in five you know some lady looks after them in a house i mean and we are we have to be careful we don't lose all of this genetic resource because i don't know what genetics i'm going to need tomorrow um but given the fact that the conversations about tomorrow i i'm going to suggest that we should be building up. I think we need we need multi story pig farms. pigs live in buildings they don't live i mean okay the British pig industry is fifty percent outdoors okay that very nice looks nice well i'm not sure sometimes it's a bit of a mess to be honest but um you know you you look at the average pig farm um, pigs have a thermal neutral zone and everything else we provide them we put them in a building um do these animals really need to know that the sun exists? I mean, their whole life revolves around um, the four walls and the ceiling. Um, I don't know. I mean, I read a lot of science fiction books, and there's a lot of stories about humans on arcs, and, and you know, the, the four generations on, the people don't realize they're actually on a spaceship. and You know, one of the kids break out and realize that there's actually... The sky doesn't exist you know the sky is just metal um but from a pig point of view they spend their entire life in this building i mean it's it's where why would they worry about the sun coming up and down i mean people turn the lights on and off Uh, but but anyway but what i'm saying is that we could design our pig buildings um straight up um now I actually believe, from a moral point of view, this is good anyway, because then we can re- return farming back to wildlife. I mean, why why build a pig farm flat when I can do the same thing straight up uh, in an apartment-type complex, and then the wildlife can have the, the land that currently is being farmed? The other side of this coin is that The next 25 years is a major challenge for mankind. We're at seven and a half billion. We're going to go to at least 10 billion in the next 25 years. When I was a boy, there was three billion. So in my lifetime, in my so far lifetime, we've doubled. And by the time I get to maybe clocking off time, um, when they're culling out of my pen, um... (laughs) Yeah, an old farmer said that to me once and I was like horrified. So he said, one of my mates <laughs> had died, you know, John. And I'm like, Oh, that's really sad. He says, Well, it's just, you know, the culling out my pen now. <sighs> when I looked at him, I was like, What? What a horrible way to think about life. But anyway, as you get older, you start thinking, mm, God, you know, starting to cull out my pen. Um But but you, you, we could have three times as many people on this planet. As they had when I was a boy. I mean, that's so. We've got ten billion people, all who love pork. We're still feeding forty percent of the people every single day. So I need third. I need nearly t- to double the pig industry on the planet, at least increase by thirty percent, forty percent. How am I going to feed them? Where am I going to put them? I mean, all the people are going to eat all the corn and the soya. So. Insects, unfortunately, are going to have to be finding, providing um, food f- protein for our meat-producing animals. As a veterinarian, that actually gives us another uh, opportunity because we now need to consider the welfare and the well-being of these insects that we're going to be farming to feed our animals. But I do honeybees as well. As a, oh, as yeah. an insect, yeah. We can do another talk on honeybees. Um, we're going to run out of land because I need the land to allow tigers and things to roam and also to grow crops. I need land for people. Um, And so I'm proposing that uh, our farms of tomorrow are multi-story farms. And then I'm going to go even more bizarre. They should be in the cities. We should be placing our farms in Shanghai, London, New York, because that's where the people are. And if you place them in central, if you place them in New York, who's going to notice a two hundred thousand sow, you know, two thousand sour unit, two hundred thousand animals in a city of twenty five million? And it, okay, I'm going to worry about the smell. Well, New York kind of has a smell anyway. We got a lot of diesel and everything else, and I think it'll just mix in with smell. But I can direct the ventilation system up into the air above human height. I have. A fantastic slowly system already built for the 25 million people. I have a very good integrated uh, road network. Uh, most of my farms, I have to bring the food in and out anyway. I have the water supply, um, city water. Um, and so my proposal is that you have the faring house on the top, then two gestation levels, then a nursery, a couple, and then finishing. Then a slaughterhouse. And then a restaurant and um but they're in they're in our cities um and then and of course it's easy to get to work because people are living in the cities anyway um but that is uh everybody even pig farmers look at me and they go what are you <laughs> smoking <laughs> you've been in canada too much um <laughs> But, I mean, the Chinese are are doing this. And I can remember being, so I come from East Yorkshire, worked on a very big farm, 250 cell unit. I got a very big opportunity to work in North Carolina. And I worked with Smithfield and Murray and um, Murphy Brown and Prestige. And I'd never been to a 2000 cell unit. So, I mean, I, I was then very privileged to now work in big units again, still always big units. And um, I'm now working with 10,000 cell units, so just units of 250. Um, So what North Carolina did to the European industry, I think the Chinese and the Asians are going to do to America. Um, I think the tomorrow's industry is going, the tomorrow's industry producing food for human beings. Um, The Asians are going to capitalize on it first, I think they don't have any land the koreans have no no land anyway they they live in mountains all the flat land they have is made for the some of the best rice in the world um they haven't got the space to grow pigs uh, we already have five story pig buildings um but they look at me and they say well how big is yours and i said 40 and they go oh my god um but anyway it if, you know The question you asked me was where we're going to go in 10 years, 15, 20 years. Um, it's a fantastic opportunity. We're going to have to at least 30% increase our, our pig numbers. We already have increased our pig, pig output by 20% using these hyper-prolific cells. Um We do single serving. We increase our FCR 0.1, 0.15, 0.2, start competing against chickens um i think we need to revisit feed we need to think about how do we how do we convert not the best corn on the planet the worst corn on the planet we maybe should do more extrusion and everything else i mean to one of the questions i have is why did god put barley on this planet he didn't put barley on this planet to feed pigs he produced bar he put barley on this planet to produce whiskey i mean it's whiskey that matters, but in order to produce whiskey, you have 95% of really poor quality barley, and somebody has to eat that. So the pigs are on the planet to eat the, eat the poor quality barley so that the, the um, Scots and the Irish and the uh, Japanese can make excellent whiskies. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's a just a different philosophy. Um, pigs, are, pigs are a bit like goats. They're garbage cans. They have a fantastic ability to convert garbage into high-quality meat protein, Um, and uh, high-quality meat protein for our kids because it's the children that matter. Um, We need to be giving these um, young children fantastic food, and pork is a fantastic food. Um, How do we change our philosophy to feed 10 billion of us Um, and still find room for lions and tigers and to be nice to our pigs and you know i i see no i see no problem with multi-story pig farming where the pigs are provided with toys good mental health attitudes excellent veterinarians excellent stock people who really care and love for them and love 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 them um I think that we, I think mankind and pigs have a great future together. Um, we just have to think outside the box a little bit. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think that's really a unique perspective, and I think that's a really nice summary, too, of what you're thinking, and I, I enjoy the fact that you're kind of challenging us to certainly continue to think about what's next, right? We, we talk a lot, and we think maybe more flat, and so I like the conversation of vertical, and, and what does that really mean? Um, and even the concept of putting pig farms within larger cities, there's a lot of logistics in there, I'm sure that people are thinking about, but you are absolutely right in some levels because that's where our people are. And if we need people to take care of animals, you know, there's there's really some untapped potential within cities where people love animals, but they don't know how to tie that into a career um, without leaving their city. So I think that really brings some interesting concepts and things for our crew to think about.
0: It is time to our famous three.
1: Celebrating its 25th anniversary, Gestal manufactures the original wireless standalone swine feeding system, designed by pork producers for pork producers. They are simple, reliable, and provide peace of mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Justall is not just manufactured by an equipment company, but by a family pork production business with a slat level understanding. Justall, always one step ahead in swine feeding. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com.
2: As we kind of wrap up our time here, John, I um, really want to kind of get down to a couple of key questions that we like to ask all of our audience or all of our guest speakers. The first one comes down to um, what's your favorite swine resource book, or website, or whatever you may use.
0: My clients. I've learned everything I know about pigs from my clients. Um, going back to Al Lehman, so I must have been in my thirties, and Al said to me, "You want to be a? You would like to be a pig consultant?" And I'm going, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Okay, I'll tell you the secret." But you mustn't tell anybody else. I'm like, whatever. So I said, go on. He said, walk the world and find uh, an idea. I said, yeah. He says, and then the next year, you tell everybody about the idea you found last year. And walk the world for another idea. And I said, what if I have an idea? And he just laughed at me and he said, you're only entitled to one idea a lifetime. He said, so good luck on paying, you know, paying your mortgage. And, and the truth, I've actually done that. I mean, and he said, the biggest mistake you would, you will do John is you'll find an idea and then you'll tell everybody. He says, you've got to keep it to yourself. He says, you tell everybody's last year idea. And then next year you tell everybody's last year's idea. And just, but you must find a new idea. He says, the year that you walk around and don't find something new, he says, that's when you are going to have a problem as a consultant. You've got to have something new, and it's going to be your clients who are going to tell you. Don't think that you're going to think about it. So, interesting. Obviously, Swine It would be my number one resource go-to place. Um, But no, I, I would argue my client's. My, my clients are listening, my, my, that's another question. My clients are, are listening, reading, discussing. Um, they're always coming up with, uh, what if we do this? What if we do that? And then you laugh and you walk away and then you're sitting in the car afterwards and you think, you know, actually that might be, maybe that's next year's idea. You know, But there are things what I see. I mean, simple things. I, I, one of my Canadian clients, he used you know, cling film, saran wrap. And he just put it across um, the top of the faring crate where the heat mat was. So where you have pigs by the door, pigs by a window, he just takes cheap Saran wrap and he makes a lid for the first ten days, and um, then he then he cuts it away. And I was giving a talk in Canada, and I was talking, and I showed him this picture. I remember this farmer stood up, and I sort of. And he stood up and he went walked away and and I said and I was like oh and I said you know Harry are we are we are, is there something I've said? He says oh no 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 no. He says you've just solved a problem. He said so why do I need to listen to the rest of it? He says you're not going to give me any. Have you got any more ideas? I'm like no that's he says then why would I want to stay? He says I'm going home. He says you've you've fixed a problem that I have. That and, and we like. You know, 10 o'clock in the morning, the meeting went on, went all day. And he just, he waved (laughs) to his mates and he went home. And everybody in the room was like mouth open. But in truth, he was right. He'd come to the meeting, not expecting anything. I actually said, Mm -hmm. blurted out some idea that he liked and he then went home. But Mm -hmm. no, um, your clients, your clients teach you everything. Um, Everything I've ever, everything I've ever known, my clients have um, taught me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That's a great one. How about something that's not pig-related? Is there a book that you're enjoying today that you'd recommend to the listeners?
0: Um, Frank Herbert's Dune. Dune. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the new film, I'll be honest. Um, it's uh, When I watched it for the first time, I'm like – because I, w- I read this book when I was started reading this book when I was in my teens – and and he kept writing more and more books, and we'd have to wait like ten years before the next book comes out. So, um, so I actually went and downloaded the books again. Uh, I have a Kindle, um, and um, no, the the whole genre is is fantastic. I just, but I've always loved science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. Hence, farming in um, multi-story pig farms. I'm afraid that's, yeah. that's more of a science fiction <laughs> concept but it it maybe has a benefit, but when i switch off i i, I live in a fantasy land of maybe people a lot of my smile clients might think I live in a fantasy land of pig farming but uh no science <laughs> fiction is it's 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 it and I, I love astronomy so um i've always loved my grandmother um loved astronomy she's short shes told me the names of the stars um and and I was just you know five or six i can remember looking up with her, with, with uh, my, my, my grandmother. Um, it's one of my f- uh, favorite memories, really. Um, and um, it, it makes you realize just how small and insignificant you are. Um, and our uh, uh, seven and a half billion, we've got close on 10 billion. Um, and it makes you realize that certainly at the moment, we are confined to this blue marble. And um, if we kill the blue marble, we've got nowhere else to go so right. it's, at the moment is best to not kill the blue marble
2: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely well as we kind of wrap up the last question we like to ask John is if you could think of somebody that you have defined as as successful in your lifetime and success can look however you want to define it what would be a trait that stands out to you that you think has allowed them to be successful
0: so the person I would thank for a lot of my career well there's many people one could argue Mr Paxton for giving me my first job um working with pigs um Mike Muirhead uh, was very influential but again my clients and, and my colleagues and everything else. but I can John has one as you may figure out a little bit one problem he cannot stop talking um so Mike at uh, some point he, he we, we were I Was talking away, or whatever, and he said, You know, you do have a problem, and I'm like, Do I? You know, so I'll be 35 or something. He said, Yes, he said, Remember that you have two ears and one mouth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm looking at him, and he says, you know, Confucius says one should listen twice as much as one talks. He says, In the way you talk, you have to have another lifetime to be able to listen. I go, oh, yes, Mr. Muirhead. Because when I called him Mr., he, he, he I was being serious. And he said, yeah, you, you do need to listen to people, John. He says, you're very good at talking to them, but you're not very good at listening to them. I'm like, so one trait that I'm not good at, which I need to become, still need to become better at, is I need to listen. But you have two ears and one mouth, and uh, I am guilty of using my mouth more than my ears. Um that actually goes back to your first. If, see, if I don't listen, I'll miss the idea that I need for That's next right. year's survival. So That's right. maybe maybe the two of them helped me all the way through uh, my career.
2: I think you listen more than you think. If you're using your clients as your as your resource, you clearly are listening to what they're saying. So I think there's some something there that you are, in fact, listening <laughs> Well, John, I see our time is up and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I know we could talk on for, for hours on some thoughts about, you know, what you've discussed and, and try to dive deeper. But I'm sure um, our audience, if they're interested, can reach out to you as well and, and pick your brain a little bit more. Um, but again, we do want to thank you for your time. and And just for the audience, again, this is Dr. John Carr with APM Animal Health. So John, thank you so much. And we wish you a great rest of your day.
0: No, we will. It's uh, getting sunny now, so I might go swimming in Singapore.
2: Perfect.
1: Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.